Hi folks, a shout out this week to Sharon Pask, who did a review of the Take On Board podcast. Thanks, Sharon. She says, gender pay gap episode, very informative session with Emma Ray. Thank you. Well, thank you, Sharon, for taking the time to do a review. We love to get reviews here. And thanks to Emma for doing that episode. Second announcement for this week. This week we're hearing from Kari Hatch. And listen right through to the end of the episode where she shares resources because not only does she share some resources in the episode itself, but sent me a voice memo afterwards with some additional ones. So there's some gold in there. Radio on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Take On Board podcast, where we talk all things boards and governance. I'm your host, Halia Svensson. Being on a board can be interesting, valuable and exciting, yet it can also be really lonely, challenging and hard. So here at Take On Board, we'll bring you weekly tips, tricks and advice to help you build your governance wisdom. We'll shine a light on how to navigate your way onto your first board or to build your board portfolio. We'll also help you to work through those challenges that keep you awake at night. Each week, I'll talk to women who have been there, done that, and together we'll discover what we need to take on board to be your best in the boardroom. Today on the Take On Board podcast, I'm speaking with Dr. Dominique Hess. You probably remember I spoke to her a few episodes ago about an application she was making for a board. And hooray, good news, she's got an interview. Uh, We joked at the end of it. (laughs) We joked at the end of that session that when she got an interview that she would be back to have yet another conversation with me around preparing for the interview. And hooray, here we are having that conversation. So welcome again to the Take On Board podcast, Dominique. Thank you so much, Elia. It has been such a great experience, just the writing of the application, and I learnt so much from that, so it's a real pleasure to be back. (laughs) And I know I've heard from others that they got a lot from hearing it, and I've referred people to it already when they've rung me to say, can I get some advice about writing a board application? I've referred them to the podcast. Thank you for being so sharing, because it's not always the case that people are happy to share this sort of stuff online, so thank you. So, update us, Dominique. What's happened since last time we spoke? Having spoken to you about government roles, I wasn't expecting to hear for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) And then I um, got an email two days ago saying um, we're going to do the fit for work check, criminal history, bankruptcy, all of that. It's like, great, okay, next step's done. I'll wait for that. And then two minutes later, I got an email saying, oh, no, I got a phone call saying, uh, we'd like to schedule a interview with you. How's this date? And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Cool, calm, collected as if it was always expected. Inside going, oh, my goodness. (laughs) Oh, that is fabulous. Okay. So your interview is in a couple of weeks' time, I think. It is. It's on the 19th of September. Fantastic. Okay. And so now that you've got the interview, what do you know so far? So I know that when I have interviewed people when I was an academic, I really appreciated if they did research, if they came to the interview with some knowledge. And so I spent today knowing that I was going to speak to you, playing (laughs) 
uh, the Trust for Nature website. Right. And um, by playing on there, I look through all of the various elements. I joined their Facebook group. I joined their LinkedIn group. I looked at what reports and what publications um, and what stories they were telling on their website. So I think what we might try and cover off on is some preparation, much of which you've already started, which is fantastic. So thinking about the interview or what you might need to research before you get there. And then, of course, we'll have a bit of a talk about the interview itself and what are some of the questions you might expect and how to approach them and so on, and thinking about questions you might have for them. In terms of preparing for the interview, you're doing all the right things so far. And I think the things I like to tell people to think about in preparing for an interview is five different areas, some of which may not apply for Trust for Nature, but thinking about what is the business performance? How is the organisation performing? And where is its place, I guess? Where's the business performance? Secondly, what's the strategy of the organisation? And sometimes that's available on their website and sometimes it's not. But if you've been asked for an interview, if it's not available publicly, you can definitely ask for it. If things are not publicly available, I think you should definitely ask for them. Thirdly, I think it's good to understand the organisation, what it does, where it sits in the world, what other organisations it might work with, those sorts of things. Fourthly, although for me often it's the one I do first, Who's on the board and who are the staff and who can I talk to to find out some insights around this organisation? And then finally, the, the kind of industry or sector that it operates in. So as you've already done, doing things like looking at the website, fantastic. You'll find some of that information. Is there an annual report, the strategy, so that, the financials, those sorts of things, are they publicly available? So there's an annual report for 2016-17. So I've looked through that and an annual report for 2017-2018, which I've been looking through. Uh, they have a strategy which is from 2016 to 2022. And as I read through that, I highlighted questions, that strategy being that they would now be halfway through that strategy or two-thirds of the way through that strategy, how they're going with those goals that they put within that. So I looked at those things. So the strategy is, a, is still current, so that's good, although you might want to ask them if you can access their current annual business plan and even ask them if there's been any reviews of the strategy because what was that, a six-year strategy horizon, which is not hugely long, but it's getting to the medium term. So it's possible they've done a strategy refresh in that period, particularly because you're coming to the end of that period. So it might be worth asking if there's been any strategy refresh and whether you can get hold of it and for the business plan. Are the financials in there? They are at a very high level. Okay. Is it the current annual report or a few years ago? It is the 2017-2018 is the latest one. Okay. So, again, I would be asking them for the current annual report. And as much as possible, it would be worth, particularly with the financials, pulling out some of those numbers and doing some comparison year on year. Do the annual reports that are online go back in time as well? There's only two. So um, there's the 2016-2017 and 2017-2018. So you might want to ask for the last five years of annual reports and therefore the last five years of financial reports and see if you can look at the figures and do a bit of a comparison of how they're tracking. That will give you a lot of insight into their performance. 
I think I heard in there that you've also looked at their social media. Fantastic. Worth looking at where they are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, those sorts of things, and others who are tweeting around them. Yes, yes, indeed. I I haven't looked at Twitter or Instagram. I'm not as comfortable with those two platforms as I am with LinkedIn and Facebook, but I I do have it on my list of things to do. (laughs) I confess I'm not on Insta either, but if it's like Twitter, I'm sure you can look through it without having to sign up yourself. Obviously, Googling the organisation and just seeing what comes up on Google, but you can Google specifically in the news tab for Google. So just seeing how they've been in the news is always worthwhile as well. It it looks like there's been a lot of good news. I'm getting more and more excited as I'm reading. I hope I'm not ending up going to be disappointed, but I'm uh, getting more excited as I see the projects that they're working on, um, the sorts of species that they're helping to protect and how it aligns with my other board role and my own passion. It's a bit of a double-edged sword doing all of this research is it often makes you fall more in love with the organisation, which is always challenging when you're one of many going for a role. But one of the key things that people look for in an interview, we'll come to it when we talk about the interview, is passion in an organisation. And you can tell in an instant in an interview when somebody has done their research around an organisation and when they haven't. So having all of these different insights will be incredibly useful. Uh, Now, the other thing is to think about, and I know we touched on it in our first conversation, but thinking about who you know who's involved in the organisation and talking to them, or at least asking if you can talk to them. Sometimes people have a conflict of interest and are not able to, but at least inviting that. Have you shaken down the contacts tree on who you can speak to? Yes, so I've spoken to one board member who I have worked with um, through the Call Hub, the Clean Air and Urban laboratory and I've also through her been introduced to the chair and I had a brief conversation with him. I've connected to the CEO via LinkedIn. I did that today. That was in preparing the application as opposed to the interview. I will now follow up with them based on the questions that we come up with today. Are there similar organisations perhaps in different states or even internationally are there similar organisations? There is a national peak industry body and the board of that, I had a quick squiz through the board of that, is made up of the CEOs of similar organisations around Australia. That's the extent of the research I've done, but I found that quite interesting. And then I immediately emailed my CEO at Greenfleet and said, what's the story with this organisation? What are they doing? This seems like a a really great organisation to be part of because we're interested in growing the capacity of the sector. If possible, it would be worth having a look at the strategy of that peak organisation as well and seeing how that aligns with the work of Trust for Nature in Victoria. And any other, I don't know, there might be industry publications or other publications. Is there anything else that you can think of that might be useful to give you that kind of oversight and insight into this organisation? So they have a newsletter, which I have signed up for. Uh, The newsletter, a series of stories from each of their properties and the people working on there and the achievements that they've managed to have in those places. So species that have come back, number of trees planted, events that they've had. The Women in Conservation Breakfast was mentioned. (laughs) (laughs) We're laughing at that, folks, because I had organised a table for the Women in Conservation Breakfast earlier this year and then 
through some sort of administrative mess up, my table wasn't booked. So the women that had organised to go on that table, we now just met quarterly for our own little not women in conservation breakfast. (laughs) And it's perfectly wonderful and possibly uh, a better opportunity for networking than having gone to the official event. You're in the middle of your research, which is exactly as it should be. You've got two weeks to go for this interview. It sounds like you've got things really well covered off. You're looking internally, you're looking externally, you're talking to people. If you find that there are documents that you know exist that you can't get hold of, given you're about to go for an interview, ask them for it. They'll be very happy to provide those sorts of things or they'll tell you if they're not. A, it will give you information and B, it will show that you're doing your research and that you're really looking to find out more about them prior to the interview. Anything else about that preparation before we move on to the interview itself? The main um, question I really have, having, I have always gotten jobs through networks rather than interviews and having not (laughs) prepared for an interview for 14 years and for the interview that I went for to get the job at Melbourne Uni, I didn't take it very seriously because I thought there was no chance they were going to employ me. So I didn't even prepare for that one either. So having not interviewed for something for realistically 25 years, what do I do with all of this information so that it is useful in the interview? I don't want to have 10 pages of notes that I'm going to rifle through. Any advice there would be great. It does, as it is already doing for you, gives you more of that passion for the role. It means that during the conversation, you can probably pepper it with bits and pieces like, oh, so I read in your current strategy that you're focusing on whatever, you know, that interested me for X, Y, Z reasons. So I think you're right. You don't want a list of dot points that you are definitely going to put into the interview, but it gives you that insight and that coverage of information that you can then just use to have a conversation with them about the organisation rather than it just being a conversation about you and you generally. It'll be you specifically and how you fit into this organisation. So it provides you with context. It's also useful. Uh, I spoke with another client recently and had suggested similar, and indeed I've done this in interviews where I've sat down and said, well, I've spoken to people who are on your board, I've spoken to your current staff, your former staff, other people involved in your organisation, funders of your organisation, and what they say is X, Y, and Z. So I'd be interested to hear your insights. It really tells them that you are really interested in this organisation. Again, when they say, well, Dominique, tell us why you would be perfect for this role. You could say, well, having looked at your strategy and I know that you're focusing on these areas, my input can be X, Y and Z. Or having looked at your financials or I know that you're looking at fundraising and my experience is X, Y and Z. It just gives you some context. If we turn to the interview itself, generally speaking, this is not always the case, but generally speaking, board interviews are a little more informal than job interviews. As a government role, my punt is it will be a more formal type, more usual type interview you would expect for a job. But sometimes they are more conversational because they want to know that you will fit into the group as a board rather than just just inverted commas into a job. So often the first interview question is around why this board? Why are you interested in this? And this is a perfect opportunity to bring in some of your research. And I think you outlined some of that when we spoke firstly. But what is it about Trust for Nature that interests you? Why do you want to be on their board? I think we need to step up to 
the role we can have in the world as far as not just healing it, but also creating a more resilient, future-proofed system. I think we have the ability, the the knowledge, the skills, uh, the capacity to actually have that contributive role to nature. I'm actually quite interested in asking them what they think of that because often conservation is about let's leave it alone, whereas I actually think we actually need to contribute to the system. We need to both heal it and look at, okay, there's climate change coming. What can we do to ensure that the system is able to adapt to what's happening to climate change? And you can't do that by walking away from it. It will adapt in some way, but it may not adapt in the way that is actually contributive to us as well. Um, So I'm interested in asking them that question. Uh, Also, I've just completely coincidentally written a paper around how my knowledge area intersects with agriculture. So it's on regenerative development meets regenerative agriculture and what does that mean when those two things come together. They sound like they're the same, but they're actually a little different. Um, And it's in the subtleties that the real power is. And uh, one of the things that they're interested in is being able to work more effectively in the agricultural sector. So having just written that paper, I sent it off to the board member and the chair that I have spoken to and said, look, I've just written this paper and in reading your strategy, I see that you're interested in this, irrespective of the interview, um, this might be useful and I'm happy to present to the staff or the board on these ideas. That was really fun doing that today, going, oh, my two worlds are intersecting. Oh, that's great. Okay, so you've got a whole bunch of stuff as to why that would be the case and why you can really make a contribution to this organisation. So it's often the opening question is either tell us a bit about yourself or why are you interested in this organisation and you really want to get across there your passion for the organisation and your contribution to the board, which you've outlined beautifully there. That is fantastic. So often in an interview, the first question is tell us a bit about yourself. I'm such a framework person. Have you got a framework for answering that? Dominique's no. shaking her head at me. Okay, shall I take you through what I often use as a response to that? So yes, my please. framework, and I, I'll make sure I put the cheat sheet for this in the show notes. So I've got a kind of framework, and I'm doing inverted commas here, folks, for the 60-second introduction. So it starts with IMA, and that's just a word or two around what you do. So for me, it would just be, I'm a consultant. And then I generally named three strengths. So I'm a consultant with strengths in governance, stakeholder engagement, strategy, and planning. So you might want to come up with your three key strengths that fit for this role. You don't want to fit them so much that they're not actually your strengths, but choosing the three key strengths that fit this role. Then you might talk about your most recent role or your current role. So for me as a consultant, this is where it gets a bit tricky. I often talk about projects that I'm working on. But previously when I've been in jobs or roles, it might be my current role is or my most recent role. So for me, my last job, my most recent role was as the Chief Executive Officer of Hotham Mission Asylum Seeker Project. If I was doing it currently, I would talk about a project, but that was my last job. And then we talk about some achievements. So, again, if it was for me in my previous role, my most recent role was as Chief Executive Officer of Hotham Mission Asylum Seeker Project. And some of my achievements in that role include increasing the size of the organisation threefold in 12 months, increasing fundraising by 12% year on year, 
and steering the organisation through a merger with one of the other Uniting Care partners. So you might want to come up with some key achievements that you have that, again, align to this role. The next part is my background. This is where you get to summarise a decade or two or more of experience into a sentence. (laughs) So again, for me, it would be something like my background is as a lawyer, trade union leader and facilitator in sustainability Victoria. I like to add in my, I've also been a board member of YWCA Victoria, Royal Women's Hospital and so on. Mm -hmm. And then in summing it up, I'm looking forward to using my strengths of, where you go back up to the strengths, stakeholder engagement, governance and strategy and planning to make a contribution to this organisation. Yeah. Alrighty. So quickly writing these notes down. (laughs) I'll make sure I send it to you and also make sure it's in the show notes. So I'm a, my strengths are my current role or my most recent role and some of my achievements include blah, blah, blah. My background is, and also that's where you just put in any the other things like board roles or even bushwalking, whatever it may be. And I'm looking forward to using my strengths of XYZ to make a contribution. You might not use all of that in a tell us a bit about yourself. You also might not get asked, tell us a bit about yourself. And once you've got all of this prepared, you're kind of like, come on, ask me the question. I've got an answer. (laughs) And then sometimes they don't ask it. But you will get to use some of those elements in other parts of the interview or indeed in any networking conversation. I always say to people, it's really useful to have that a bit down pat and have it a little bit rehearsed in your head, but so rehearsed that it doesn't sound like it's rehearsed. I do remember years ago walking to an interview and just saying it over and over and over again in my head as I got to it. So when they did ask the question, and hallelujah, they did, it just rolled off my tongue. And it's the start of the interview, so it just makes you feel comfortable because you've got something to say rather than when they say, tell us a bit about yourself, and you'll look at them bunny in the headlights going, oh, God, do you want to hear about my family? Do you want to hear about personal stuff? Do you want to hear what I've done professionally? And you're not quite sure how to answer. Great. Thank you. That's wonderful. They might then ask you about why you're passionate about the organisation or something along those lines. We've already talked about that. Then it's likely because it's a government interview, they will probably ask you those beautiful behavioural questions. So, Dominique, can you tell us about a time when you insert key selection criteria? You'll want to have a bit of a look through the key selection criteria and think about some of the things that you've done and how that aligns. Well, if you remember from the application, there was the 4,000 words per key selection criteria. So I have plenty of words to look at. Exactly. So now in answering it in an interview, again, I like a good framework. When a question is asked, tell us about a time when you, often what they're after is what I call the challenge action result framework. Often there's star or car framework. So the one I like to use is challenge action result. Have you got one of the key selection criteria there in front of you? Fundraising. Fundraising, great. Okay. So when they say to you, so Dominique, tell us about a time when you have raised funds for an organisation or you've been involved in the governance of an organisation that is raising funds. They're looking for what you've actually done, but you want to give them some context. So the challenge action result framework, challenge is giving them some context. Oh, yeah. So let me tell you about, I'm going to put my example into it here, which you'll need to put into your own, but let's say it's fundraising. Yep. So I was formerly the chief executive officer of Hoffman Mission Asylum Seeker Project. We received no government 
funding. So we needed to do all of our fundraising from people that we knew. Raising funds around the asylum seeker sector can be challenging because there are people who feel strongly in support of the sector and there are some people who feel strongly not in support of the sector. So building some of those relationships and making sure we can raise funds is really important. So that's part of the challenge. So you want to talk to them about what the challenge is around that particular area. Then you move to action. So what I did was, so for me, so what I did was made sure I went to the different groups that were involved in the organisation. I made sure that we were telling our story, not just from me as the CEO, but other people in the organisation were clear on the story and had different stories of some of the clients that we were supporting. And we were doing both written and personal communication. We ran events and all sorts of things to connect people to the organisation. So that's the, so what I did. And then results. And what that resulted in, 12% increase in fundraising. Yeah, exactly. So 12% increase in fundraising year on year. So it gets you to that result part that you use in your introduction. You don't do the whole part in the introduction, but it brings you around to that part. That's the type of framework that they are likely to be listening out for when they ask you questions. Tell us about a time when you, and they might not use those exact words, but you can tell when they're looking for an example. So again, I'll make sure I send you a bit of an outline of that and I'll make sure I put a link to this in the show notes. What I suggest to people is think about all the things you've done. You've already done the application, so you've got a million different examples. But I always think it's worth having a bit of a shopping list of achievements over your career. And I always suggest to people that you break it into those three areas. So just have the heading around whatever it is and then what was the challenge, what did I do and what was the result? And if you keep that shopping list, you can then just pull it out for this sort of interview and go, yep, I'll use number one, seven and 12 for this interview. Yep, I can see a table. Yeah, exactly. Four columns. Yep, (laughs) that's right. I did have a client once who put it into a spreadsheet. It did look beautiful. I'm not that good with spreadsheets, but so mine is a table, but it's worth having it there. And it just reminds you before you walk into the interview. So start pulling that together as well. They may ask you questions about you know, what do you see are the challenges for our organisation? What do you see are the opportunities for our organisation? Those sorts of things. And again, that's when your research around the organisation will really come to the fore. If they don't ask you those things, it's often a good thing to have in your questions to them. Because this is a really important part of the interview, right at the end, they will undoubtedly say, so Dominique, do you have any questions for us? Yep. What sorts of things are you thinking you might ask them? So the first one was around their concept of conservation and whether Mm -hmm. it's a hands-off or an active participation and contribution to the system. Fantastic. There's several questions and I can't quite bring them to mind very quickly right now, but as I read through their strategy, they had certain things that I felt that I needed some clarity around. There were a lot of words, but there weren't a lot of specifics. So, okay, um, you're going to do X. How are you going to do X? Right. And some of that I'm finding as I'm reading the annual report and finding the answers to those. But as I read the strategy, I noted questions that I could ask if I couldn't find the answers anywhere else. Often you'll find during the conversation some of those questions will be answered. Generally in an interview, I literally have a sheet of paper with me with questions and when when they get to that part, I pick it up and I go, oh, hang on a minute, oh, yep, we've answered that. Yes, we've answered that. Yes, oh, here's one we haven't answered. Can I ask you blah, blah, blah. 
And if they don't ask you about what are the challenges and opportunities for the organisation, it's a good opportunity for you to then ask them. You know, it might be some of the challenges I see are X, Y and Z, but I'd be interested to hear from you what you think the challenges are or the opportunities are or whatever it may be. One other thing that I like as a final question, so when they turn to you and say, so Dominique, any questions for us? One other thing I always suggest to people, not everyone takes me up on it, but I like it as a question, is saying, look, just before we go to the questions, can I just check, is there anything that you've asked that I haven't sufficiently answered yet that I might need to go back over? Mm -hmm. It just gives them an opportunity to say, yeah, you know what, you didn't actually answer this one, can you give us a bit more? Or it gives confirmation that you have answered all their questions sufficiently and then you can move into questions. Great. That's a great suggestion. All right. Now, again, because of the government board, I often say to people to do a bit of follow-up afterwards just to remind them that you exist and that you're excited about the role. I certainly don't rule that out for a government board, but because it's such a secret, mysterious process, it may or may not make any difference, but it's still a polite thing to do. I will at least follow up with the two people that I know, once I know who's going to actually be at the interview, I guess. Yeah, great. So is there anything else, anything else about the interview that we can cover here that would be helpful? I hate interviews. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think uh, what you've given me and how prepared I will be walking into it, I will be a lot more confident. But I need to enter the conversation from a how can we contribute to each other rather than being on show or being judged because mm. as soon as I think of it that way, I can't do it. So any tips around being present and not so worried about the whole thing that you don't say the things that you want to say in the right way would be great. Look, I think treat it as a conversation and remember that the interview panel want you to do well. You know, it's a conversation. They really just want to hear from you. And they're there to help you out. So if, if in the middle of it you, I don't know, that you're stumbling on words or can't quite think of something, just say, look, can I just take a minute and think about that? And take a minute. It'll seem like nine years to you as you take your moment. It'll seem like a nanosecond to them as they gather their thoughts and take some notes. So feel free to take your time. I recall in an interview I was in, fortunately I got this job, in the middle of it I felt faint. And I had to say to them, look, I'm really sorry, I feel a bit faint and I had to just take a moment to drink, have a drink of water, then felt okay and charged on with the interview. But I seriously thought I was going to pass out for no particular reason. At low blood pressure, I sometimes feel that way. They're there to help you out. It's okay. Two other things. One, if you can, do a practice interview with somebody. Sit them down, even if it's somebody you know well, run through it. You'll feel like an idiot, but it is well worth it to feel just Get the opportunity to run through some of this stuff. And thirdly, I always say to people, actually, let me just ask the question. So you've done the interview, you've walked out. What are the three things you want the people in the interview to look at each other and go, oh, Dominique, she's something, something and something. What are the three things you want them to look at each other and really think that you are highlighting for them? Probably passionate organized there's one thing we haven't talked about and that's network and that they can see how I can contribute I don't know how to put that into a word 
those three things before you walk into write them in your book or have them on a post-it note, have them in front of you, passionate, organised, the word I wrote was networked, that should be enough to remind you of what you mean by that. Remind yourself of that just before you walk in. These are the things I want to showcase. Have them front of mind. doesn't need to be in the conscious mind but in the unconscious mind so that you can really showcase that when you're sitting in front of them so that when you walk out they just look at each other and go, oh, that Dominique, she's incredibly passionate and organised and networked and will make a real contribution to this organisation. All right, I will try (laughs) and report back. Look, some of the conversation we've had here and now shows me that you will do that inherently. You've got such a contribution to make and I would love to check back in with you after the interview. We might do another five minutes at the end of this podcast after the interview and then put them together for how the interview has gone. Okay, perfect. Yay, go you good thing. (laughs) <laughs> so many useful useful tips. Thank you so much. Absolute pleasure. For any interview, not just boards. It's yeah. really, really wonderful. Hi there, it's Halia. That's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women together. So it's great to be able to share these conversations that I'm having with these amazing group of women with you. Now, can I ask a favour? Could you share this podcast with someone you know? Perhaps you can share it with some of your board colleagues or someone else that you know that's interested in exploring all things boards and governance. With your help, we can grow the Take On Board community. Last but not least, if you want to continue the conversation, you can also join us over in the Take On Board Facebook group where there's lots of great discussions, tips, tricks and resources being shared. I would love it if you can join in the conversation there. You can find it by searching Take On Board in Facebook. Thanks for listening and tune in next week for another fabulous conversation.